Okay, welcome to episode 64 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. My name is Tony, and this week we have a new co-host, a comics creator, an old bastard like me, and uh, someone who is here to edumacate us in the ways of a certain creator. Um, yes, it's Mr. Simon Russell. Hello, Simon. How you doing, babes? Watch your Tony. Good. We've already been talking, so it's all very false, isn't it? But yes. it seems to be going all right. The, well, uh... you haven't hung up yet. <laughs> How's it going with you? So you're 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 just telling me you're you're homeschooling. Um, you can't play the awesome pod in the house because we're too sweary. Um, yeah, it's not safe for school. <laughs> That's something to put on the next the next advert, isn't it? Yeah. Um, good. Are you um and you've got a few, you've got a few things that have either come out or are coming out, and we're going to talk about that a bit at the end, aren't we? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Now, I'm very excited for this episode, and I've I've been sort of covering myself in this creator's books literally all week and reading them um but we 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 picked a particular one because i think your first one turned out to be about 600 pages long that you suggested so i said let's slim it down a bit simon calm down my friend um so what have you chosen to talk about today do well it's uh one of eddie campbell's alec collections yeah. which was all compiled in a great big compendium called the years of pants this one's uh, i think it's the third of the escape collections back in the early days called yeah. doggy in the window Cool, and it's um, it's almost like um, a heavy cardstock cover. You directed me it to me on eBay, and I bought it on eBay actually. eBay actually, but um, so sort of purple and black and white cover, nice cardstock cover, and it's kind of magazine sized, isn't it? It's sort of thing. Yeah, it feels a bit like those Northern and Shell porn mags that used to come out with the <laughs> white cling cover. I don't know what you mean by that. So, uh, oh, yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was interested for printing technology basically yeah i get you yeah and the year magazines also (laughs) now um this isn't the first time it's been produced um it would it first appeared elsewhere didn't it It first appeared in some of the fast fiction like fanzine fanzine kind of things isn't it yeah these it's a collection of strips i mean eddie was working in the late 70s and early 80s putting out strips on photocopiers right and sending I think 30 or 40 pence in coins, sellotape to a bit of cardboard. And then you get an envelope back a week later with a letter inside and some photocopied uh, strip zines, which were three panels long, taped together to make a, a little tiny book, a bit like the Andy Cat books you used to get as a kid. Oh, I remember those. God, I haven't thought of them for years. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Now, it was a great way of doing just getting things out. It was mail art. And yeah. you would you were communicating with the person who was making it and I was at school. Right. Or finishing school. Um, and just to be talking to this guy who was a few years older and just telling me about his work and his art was, was just this, this mind blowing, exciting thing. And well, I, that's, that's interesting to me. And we're going to, I'm going to ask you about that because it is, and you've sent me some stuff to read um, this week. It is very interesting. Um, just for those that are listening along at home, you can get this. So the Alec, I think, I, I think mine was only six ninety nine or something. I think on eBay, I bought the magazine, but unknowingly, I already had it. So I had it in Alec the King Canute Crowd, which was a trade paperback that came out mm-hmm. from. Put this out. Was that Dark Horse? Um, Eddie Campbell Comics. It's saying here. Ah, oh, that's the uh, when he started his own imprint after the From Hell money came in. Ah, oh, right. I get you. Yeah. So I bought it in this format. Um, and obviously, as you now said, it's in the big Alec 600-pager, yeah. which will break your, the postman's back kind of thing. Um, and he's also done a Bacchus one of those as well, isn't he, I think? Yeah, two. Two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Price both unavailable at the moment on Amazon, sadly, but I think you can get them on eBay. And they're lovely, really look lovely. They're, they're great. I think Bacchus is actually 
better work by him. And he works with other people on backers, so like Ilya. Ah, uh, did in the early days with it. Yeah, I, I really, I've been going nuts. I was chatting to uh, Johnny Cannon about Bacchus earlier. He hadn't read any Campbell. And I was saying I thought you might like Bacchus because to me, there's a grotesquerie similar to like Mort Cinder or something like that. There's that, that quality yeah. of, of art in it. Right, we're, we're diverting from the, the thing I want to ask you about. So now you've chosen this because, I mean, it's kind of close to your heart, isn't it, this series? Is that right? Yeah. So what, what exactly happened, dude? Talk us through it. Okay, well, um, I stumbled across his work and I, I've got no idea how. Now, it was early days of discovering fanzines and, right. and comics weren't Marvel 2-in-1. So, Although that is still good. Yeah. I'd like to point that out. Yeah, I, we both I, are in I, agreement I, I, about I bought, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went and bought the Legion of Superheroes today, so I do like this stuff. Oh, good man. Good man. Yeah. Uh, now, Eddie's stuff was always... It was something else and it wasn't that sort of comics. But it was really, really accessible. It was just like someone drawing the life I wanted to live because he was... It's 10 years or so older than me. Okay. And he was writing comics that were based on his memories of events of life. Uh, it was not slice of life, but it's yeah. kind of twisted biography, autobiography, recollections. So yeah. he's remembering five years ago, and I'm looking ahead to five years from where I am now at that point. And so these these comics spoke to me in a way that this is about going to the pub and meeting new people and having adventures and getting in with girls and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah so it really hit me, and it stayed with me for years, all this stuff. I loved it. I, I haven't stopped loving it, even though I've uh, I, I probably oversaturated with Eddie Campbell work since then. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there's a lot of it, and we'll talk about where you can find it later, but um, in he describes it as a rambling life adventure and he wrote that in a letter to you didn't he so what happened there uh that would have been when we were just ordering comics off him right uh, it was a time when i was just starting to draw for myself i'd been drawing pictures of batman and pictures of jack of hearts and mr miracle jack of hearts yes <laughs> yeah that's great crazy <laughs> yeah. design there's just a picture of a headshot and you'd send them off to fanzines and they'd They'd keep some from, the, and they'd send the rest back in an envelope. And right. then every now, you'd get a copy of a fanzine with a picture in it that you drew. Yeah. Uh, I went from that, like most people, to well, I could draw some comics. So I started to make comics of my own, small pressings. But I fell out of love. I well, didn't fall out of love. I, I realised really early on, I had absolutely no interest in doing the sort of straight comics that superhero comics are. You know, it's just A to B stories. Yeah. And I started to base my work on Eddie's work and I send him things and say, what do you think of this? And he'd reply to it. And we'd have a sort of ongoing correspondence. Yeah. Quite lengthy when letters, I... weren't they? I know you've sent me one of them here. Yeah. But like, it really well, takes care. He's, he's really eloquent in the man as well and thoughtful, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't met him at that point. And it was, right. a, it was one of those things that I kind of I idolised him as a, almost a potential big brother or uncle figure. Yeah. Who, who would be able to lead me through this... This, this landscape of, of becoming a young adult, and that would have been great, but I'd have probably just been annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been the guy puking up in the... Yeah, the one that made you drink a couple of pints of lager, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then he'd kick me. <laughs> so when, when did you get to meet him? When was the first time? I can't really remember. I'm, I know in the stuff I sent you, the bits I, I dug out, there's a mention that I'd met him once at that point, and that was in... That was a, an article on my foundation course in 1984. Yeah. Right. 
So I'd met him at a, probably Westminster Mark or something like that. Ah, uh, might have been, mightn't it? Yeah, yeah. We were, I love I love the writing on that article, man. It's it's really bouncy and chirpy, and you know, there's a uh, there's a real personality to your writing back then as well. Uh, it was, oh, it's it was really fun. funny how how pretentious it is because I was writing for a a lecturer, right? To, to market, <laughs> and I'm turned it made it into a fanzine. So it was uh, it was tying in with my interests and my own obsessions. Yeah. But it was supposed to be saying, hey, this is art. This is not comics. It's more than comics, you know. It's something very special. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I... met, I've met Eddie a few times since then. He's, yeah. he's always been good for a beer and a laugh. And we missed uh, Joe Sacco talk at one of the comicettes because we were in the bar. That's but... where I met him. I was at that. I went and let him in. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing yeah, my usual volunteering was... and I let him into yeah. that one. Yeah. Ah, Okay. And we didn't actually get into the talk, so we were sitting there talking. We had the world's longest comic at the time or something which we put right. together. And we were taking photo opportunities and that because he's a mutual friend. We've got lots of mutual friends yeah, rather than ourselves. So he's an acquaintance at best and wouldn't recognise me in the street. But it was just <laughs> like sitting in the past talking to these people going, this is fantastic. This is what I wanted to do when I was 18 years old. Right. Yeah, um, it was, isn't it? And the, the bar is a natural a natural area for him isn't it it's his habitat i think almost that's how i feel after reading his books i think yeah well his earliest comics were uh diaries of his nights out drinking i think and then he started doing a series called the ace rock days of the ace rock and roll club yes which was uh i think it was a teddy boy style characters who weren't really teddy boys they just hung out in a pub and dressed like that and yeah he stuck it out as a trade didn't he a few years ago now yeah yeah, yeah. That's all been collected. All these things went out as fanzines, basically. Yeah. And the individual chapters would be used in different uh, collections and projects. Things like Fantagraphics or Harrier Comics and groups like that. Yeah. Or Knockabout. And they'd appear all over the place. And you couldn't track them down. And if you wanted to keep the whole story together, you had no idea where <laughs> yeah. everything was or what order it came in or anything. Yeah, we'll talk about his publishing history in a minute. But it does... It is very much like he just kind of went with with the flow, didn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. I think it's made work, and then if I can get it out in front of people, great. And if somebody else wants to put it out, I'll give it to them to print as well. Yeah. I think one of the first times, I think the first time you and I had a chat in person was at a Comicette event. Like a day, uh, you had a table with yeah. Dave Crane, I think. Yeah, that's right. You walked up to, to walk, you were doing your tour, weren't you? Just at a, at a walk up. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I remember, um, I remember looking at you, and I thought this dude's all right. When um, Paul Gravatt described himself on the microphone as the man at the crossroads, <laughs> <coughs> again, and uh, yeah. I looked at you, and you went, "Yeah," you just sort of nodded at me, and we both understood. We knew, and then yeah. we just sort of continued chatting. Yeah, that's fair enough. Good. Uh, yeah, I remember oh. being at that. I was, I was volunteering at that the comic hall you were talking about, the Joe Sacco one. Um, oh, right. I think Pat Mills turned up at that one as well. I'm, I do remember having a chat in the bar with him as well at that one. That's no, possible. There were quite a few people there. Yeah. It was um, it was sponsored and largely organised by Russell Willis, who runs a sequential right. uh, comics app on the iPad. Oh, right. He, okay. He, yeah. He was doing a fanzine called Infinity back in the 80s, and he got in... He just managed to contact all these people and get work <laughs> off them. So David Lloyd and Eddie Campbell and uh, Posey Simmons and all these different sorts of people. Yeah. And I worked with Russell on a few things, or I helped him out with 
drawing and design stuff, and we were good, we became mates and were quite good muckers. Right. And then he moved off to Japan, and my life carried along on its own little path. And I realised that as I got older, I worked with all these people that Russell was introducing me to, or introduce putting us all together in Infinity Magazine. Yeah. I could end up working with Posey Simmons when I was at the Cartoon Museum. Ah, oh, of course, yeah. With other people. So that so Infinity it, Magazine was is kind of the the free magazine when you go on the app, isn't it? Is that right? You can have a read of it. Uh, yeah, I think he's put them all up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's only on the iPad. You can't. It doesn't run on other things. He was an early uh, evangelical for the iPad and the idea that you could lie back and read a comic. <laughs> yeah, I've got it on my iPad. Actually. I read it occasionally. I haven't looked at it for a while actually. I must have a look to see if it's still going. I'm not actually sure. It's been over years. I'd never read on my iPad. I've got one. I had to get one a few years ago for work, and I've got a load of comics downloaded on it. I just never read them on there. I know you're like me. I was like that. Yeah, I was like that. Yeah, um, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty special, I, I, and that's such a great story. And that, that, um, thanks so much for sending them through. They're really interesting letters. I just had such fun. I just, I just in my mind, I can imagine young Russell, young Mister Russell, writing this essay, you know, <laughs> and it's just chirpy, enthusiastic, you know. It's like, yeah, no, it's great. Now, I thought just um, as not not in competition with you, my friend, because you are. By far, you've got the best story. But I just thought I'd add um, an Esmond-like story to this. The way oh, I yeah. met um, the way I met um, Eddie Campbell is um, I ended up in a restaurant drunk off my ass with my with my best mate, and uh, we sat down at this table and we were in the middle of some row, and we still to this day can't remember what it's about. Some ridiculous row about something, and it got really heated. Like we were throwing C's and F's into each other and standing up and like downing fucking glasses of wine, you know, all that sort of nonsense the way you can do with someone you love yeah exactly yeah yeah and um it was the friday before bristol so it's in bristol and uh so in the morning we, we you know we were sort of sharing a room woke up you know had a bit of breakfast so oh, let's go and let's go and see what's going on at the convention and it was in the old tram sheds at that point and uh, we walked up to the tram sheds and i thought oh there's oh, no sorry the night before i realized that the row we had was at the table next to paul gravett and um eddie campbell um, and they just witnessed. They just sat there, mouths open, <laughs> us having this fucking ridiculous row, you know. And uh, the following morning, I thought, oh, I haven't got the, I haven't got the from hell complete. And I hadn't actually read all of from hell. I think I'd only managed to get a couple of the issues, you know, because that yeah. also had a sort of strange publishing history, didn't it? Yes. Uh, and um, I went over and I said, oh, could I buy one of these? And, and he goes, would you like me to sketch in it? And he looked up and you see in his his face, oh, it's that nutter from last night. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> he did me quite a quick. I'll stick it. Um, I'll put a post up on the website for it for to the, for the, the chat tonight. But I'll put I'll put a picture of this up. And he did me quite a quick Jack the Ripper, and then I was off again. And then the <laughs> next time I saw him was years later when I let him in. I said that somebody said, "Oh, Eddie Campbell's at the door. Can you go and let him in for the comica thing?" Because he was in in the, the art school, wasn't it? The other side of King's Cross, St Martin's. Is it yeah. St Martin's? That's St Martin's, isn't it? uh yeah and i had to go and let him in because it was sort of so you had to walk through along the corridor by the, the, the students who were busy playing table tennis and uh and i said any any i don't know and it, there was a bit of a double take in his face and i'm not sure in in my head i'm thinking oh he's recognized me again oh no <laughs> but i don't know he never said anything he was quite polite and that was i think i remember being quite shocked because he went sort of really white didn't he, he became sean connery all of a sudden didn't he yeah in his hair yeah yeah, I the first time I saw him like that, it was um, on a plane. Right. I, I, the work, I used to have a job where I travelled around the world quite a lot. Yeah. 
I was coming back from Singapore, and I think he was still in Australia at the time, presumably. Yeah. And we left at Heathrow, and I'm waiting to get off, but the other people on the plane are, are already standing up. And I'm not in a hurry, so I'm waiting. And I'm just looking at this this belt buckle that someone's got, and I think, that's a fucking enormous belt buckle. That's really ornate, and that's quite... And I sort of looked up, who would wear that? as a Eddie Campbell with <laughs> white hair. He hasn't had white hair. And I'm looking at his crutch. This is not right. <laughs> I didn't say hello at that point. I thought I'd just keep my head down. <laughs> yeah, just, just point at his knob and say, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I recognised you. Yeah. <laughs> I recognise your shoes. Let's not do that joke. <laughs> All right, good. Let's do a little bit of a history of Eddie and, and chat along as we go along, dude. So he's um, Eddie Campbell, born in Glasgow, like you said, the 10th of August, 1955. He now actually lives in Chicago. Um, he does jump about a bit. Um, yeah. came, claims to be influenced, you'll know this more than me, by the Impressionists, Phil May who was an English caricaturist uh, um, and a cartoonist from the Victorian England. Are you familiar with this work? I had a quick look at it. I quite liked it. Yeah, yeah. we used to have cop, um, some up on the wall in the cartoon museum as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, Charles Gibson, an American illustrator. Uh, John Leach, who did some of the punch-up cartoonist work, which I really liked as well. And he also described himself as a fan of Milton Kniff and the Johnny Comet strip by Frank Frazetta, which is pretty cool. Now he's yeah. he's somewhat of an expert in like when we say old school I mean you know the 18 you know 1800s turning into 1900s cartoonists isn't he it's it's a big passion of his I think Yeah that that early version of drawing where you you, you can see the sort of squishing of the the, the ink lines Yeah see where uh, Roy Crane was probably the big newspaper strip artist who um, I think Eddie was as referenced in the past Okay who really overlapped that old-fashioned punch-style drawing or Victorian-style drawing with the dynamic drawing of someone like Milton Kniff. And you can see it in uh, in Eddie's work where he's actually sort of... He's reaching for that same approach, that that, that that use of the same tools in the same way. Yeah, interesting. OK. We're going to have a little chat about his art style in a minute because I, I want to see if you hold to the description you gave in your, your school essay. <laughs> I know. <can't laughs> Good. Um, Alec is his auto. Well, let's say semi-autobiographical stories that he's did, and, and his 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 he becomes in a way Alec McGarry, who's um, started at one of those amateur press association mail rounds, small press indie books, didn't it? That's that's how I, I read it on online. And is that is that right? Do you know? Or uh, I don't know if it was actually an am- an app. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, it was a bit before I'd sort of discovered him, but it was in that sort of environment where yeah. people would just around and that the old days of the westminster comic marts yes i think that that was a breeding ground for so many people now we see as elder statesmen in british comics yeah really wasn't it yeah i used to go to them and just head down looking through long boxes and my dad used to drive me there park somewhere near you know the house of parliament for free as you could back then you know he'd wander into the pub and i'd wander into the comic mart and just spend four hours while he had about eight pints and drove me home back home to west london you know that's how it was (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it really was. I mean, I keep hearing people saying, oh, yeah, they was, they had the fast fiction table at the, the Mart and all this sort of thing. I'm thinking, I was just looking for old Captain Marvels. I didn't know any of <laughs> Did you? Well, I was a bit too young for it, really. Right. I, was, okay. I was just on the, I'd be like the, the youngest kid in the in any group that gathered there. Yeah. And you're, you know, five, six years younger than me. So, 
you you really would have just been looking for those superheroes, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's all that was. I was like desperate. See, I was. I remember seeing I had much money I had in my pocket, and what's the oldest comic book I could get? You remember? You know, I, I think I got the old um, Captain Marvel before he got the the, the Negabands. I think that was my favourite, which I got for like the green and white stuff. Yeah, yeah, which I got for like. 60p or something and i was over the moon you know it's one of those sort of things <laughs> yeah now he um so alec is an in, is an interesting one the way he talks about it and he doesn't like to get into talks about how true the stories are i've, I've heard him say i think he says it in the letter to you doesn't he? he says i don't like to get into the conversations to say if this is a true story or not yeah he's always said that as soon as you write it down and you change anything so if you change a name yeah. You've got this, this vibe, it's untr- not untrue, but this different vibration goes through the story and it has ripple effects and it changes things. And he's got this, this, uh, this quote somewhere where he said about there's a difference between truth and reality. Yes. And they're not the same thing. And that comes up in when he's had arguments with other uh, comic artists or disagreements <laughs> in print over, over craft, levels of craft and execution. Yeah. Famously, him and David Lloyd in those Infinity comics uh, fanzines, where David was always saying, hey, you've got to be drawing the chair so it looks like a solid chair. You can know if it's a Queen Anne or a Louis Vuitton or whatever. <laughs> and Eddie Campbell would go, it, uh, it just needs to be a chair for the story. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different philosophy between the two of them. Yeah. And as far as Eddie's work is concerned, or I'm putting words into his mouth because I'm just reading it my interpretation of his work yeah of course but as far as i can see is he the truth is there's a bar and in that bar there's a chair and there's someone sits on the chair yeah it doesn't really matter if the chair was under the painting or under the clock it's not that sort of de, that sort of detail isn't important the the, the, the important bit is that you feel that you're there in the story yeah i get you yeah. you know when you tell an old an old anecdote of your life something you did <laughs> 30 years ago yeah. you've told it times because it was fun it's got, got a good laugh so you tell it again but you change every time you tell it it's slightly different isn't it yeah in the retelling the the details vary and i think that the alec mcgarry stuff is like one of those stories even if they the thing even if the events had happened to eddie campbell it's not the same story by the time it's in print as alex yeah it's interesting isn't it it's that it's What's that quote from Herzog about documentary is the biggest fiction in the world or something? You know, there's there's that story and the retelling of events. Are they going to change? I found the quote, he, he said it is, um, I see truth not as precise and actual, but as meaning. So it has to have meaning rather than... That's, that's a great quote. I really like that. And then He, he thought quite hard about his work. He took himself very seriously, but he didn't take the, he didn't take the comic seriously. Right, I get you. You know, the events in them were never that serious. They were fun and light-hearted and... He could he let himself be silly, but he took his approach to it really seriously from very early on. Yeah, and there's a big page count. Uh, you know, we forget how much he did. He did thousands and thousands of pages, didn't he? Yeah. Well, it's still like it, at least. Yeah, it's probably this, it's probably lots of pages repeated. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many times. I heard a story about when he goes through customs, he takes little squares in his pocket. Um, he cuts out Bristol board in squares so he can just draw a panel. If he's bored on like... that's great yeah another is yeah. another quote he, he said was experience memory and art are all different things which i thought was and, and it, which goes to what you're saying there man as well yeah. yeah are they the sort of things that really speak to you when you're sort of coming up for 18 years old and you're going off to art school statements like that 
they're, they're great big ones that sort of live in your heart for years for the rest of your life yeah and if you hear them later on as an adult you might go oh, that's a bit twee <laughs> yeah 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 now we're stuck with you know the quotes that we get from the mindful app on our phone that i just want to makes me want to throw <laughs> my phone out the window but that stuff did that stuff was was less twee it wasn't written by it wasn't written in greeting cards was it it was you know they meant it these guys they were earnest about what they did yeah and and in, the, in these cases they, they were written in conversation right it wasn't okay thoughts that i thought now i'm writing my introduction to a graphic novel and my name is neil gaiman so i must talk about the story he's telling <laughs> all the story. you must, yeah. you must craft it and put, so, no i'm just telling you what i think yeah yeah and there's a uh, there seems to be a lot of an, there's a lot of writers out there making announcements I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that man you just mentioned is one of them, but yeah, it, there's a there's a conversation which I like about Campbell, you know, there really is, and that's what his books are. They're a conversation, aren't they? A lot of the time, uh, yes. Snapshots of life and real real dialogue sometimes. I think. I, I was realize. trying to find a quote somebody said in a fanzine at the time, in a review, but I couldn't dig it out, so I can't uh, attribute it. Yeah. But they're describing Eddie Campbell's comics as, and then suddenly nothing happened. <laughs> I like I that. Yeah. Even back in the day, that just seemed right. It's like life doesn't have a sudden climax and a crescendo every day. Yeah. You go out, you do things, and you reflect on them later on, and you think that was great, but it wasn't momentous. Yeah, you weren't thinking this is brilliant at the time, were you? You were just playing football or, you know, walking yeah. the dog or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. So let's get a little bit back into his his history. So after you talked about the photocopied pamphlets that he put out, um, uh, through a lot of, and then then we got fast fiction, didn't we? Now fast fiction yeah. did. Um, what was the book that came before Backers? Was it Dead Face? Yeah. Dead Face, yeah. Dead Face was uh, Harrier Comics. Yes, that's right. I didn't yeah. comics. I'm not sure which one. It, they, they kind of turned one into the other. Right, okay. Harrier. Yeah, and... Um, which was Doc who did Bem fanzine. Oh, oh, is it really? Oh, I like Bem. Of course it is. I suddenly realised that. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about Bem the other day. Good stuff, yeah. And there was some really interesting stuff through Harrier, and I used to get them through the post. I used to send checks off and get them through the post. I think it's the way I got them. Um, but they did some sci-fi books, didn't they? I think, um, wasn't there that Luther Arkwright thing they did? It wasn't Luther Arkwright. It was um, Michael, like a Michael Moorcock thing they did at one point. Um, uh, Matt Saga, the man elf. That's it. That's the one. Drawn by Steve Whitaker. Right. So it was really nicely drawn. Uh, the late Steve Whitaker, who was a lovely, uh, a lovely person, apparently. Right. And that had, um, that was big Moorcock influence wasn't it I think yeah it had the um, they got Moorcock's blessing to use the character the eternal oh, champion because cool. he'd um, that was a period where he'd said anyone can use my character this, right. this particular character can has aspects of all in all sorts of times there's all sorts of names and personas and anyone can use it and it can add to the the rich tapestry of my creation <laughs> and then, pissed off with all the shit <laughs> yeah i am um, i think we've all had our more cocky and phases haven't we i you know jerry cornelius was a particular favorite of mine i was you know i was addicted to the stuff but uh yeah you I, used to cry more cock did you yes that's it thank you the <laughs> but i have tried listening to his albums and they're shite oh god yes <laughs> that's the, this this era of reading comics and uh, small press stuff eddie campbell was also an antidote to every other small press comic, which would be, I've done a strip illustrating the lyrics of Hawkwind. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit of that. And I, was, 
I was young and impressionable, and I would go out and go, oh, these guys are making comments about this music. It must be good. I'm going to go and buy an yeah. album. Yeah. Oh, God, I didn't like it most of it. Mm. Uh, Tom yeah. Waits. I did discover Tom Waits with one of them, so that was quite Yeah, that's that not bad. Good... I like Tom Waits. There's a, couple, there's a couple of good Hawkwind albums before Sarah Harris kills me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we got the move over, which I think is where I first saw him, to Escape magazine. Um, Paul Gravetz came out... Be, People think of it, it came out late 80s, early 90s, I'm going to say, something like that. Escape? No, it was earlier. Was it? Really early 80s. Um, Escape came before Harry, I think. Oh, did it? Okay, I've got it. I've got Escape magazine here, Remember. issue four, which is kind of like an A5 magazine, isn't it? Yeah, and it went to the big A4 later on. Yeah, about the issue. spine, and yeah, yeah. It was It was really, I mean, Paul Gravette, although he's, he's fun to tease... Yeah. He when he put Escape together and as a publishing entity, he he put he put some cracking There's comments. Some amazing out. stuff in there. I was reading some Stephen Appleby in there yesterday, and I'm thinking I've got to put this aside because I need to get this signed. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. And he's yeah, he's also a nice bloke. But um, yeah. no, that is Eddie Campbell's and Hunt Emerson were really the two big sort of uh, poles around which the rest of the Escape stuff seemed to revolve. Okay, certainly to start with, wasn't he? I know Eddie sort of. He wasn't in some of the later ones, I think. Uh, the Perfect Bound yeah. ones, he's not in all of them. Um, but yeah, Calculus Cat's on the front of this one. I've got here, actually, issue four. Um, yeah, I, I always think Escape Magazine's one of those, a bit like Warrior was for a while, where people are going to eventually discover, oh, it's it's quite cheap on eBay and it's got all these people in it. You know, it's like that sort of thing. Yeah, but I don't think it's very cheap on eBay, is it? Um, I was looking the other day and it's, I suppose, about a tenner. I suppose about a tenner, is it, <laughs> Yeah. In modern comics time, that's that's actually quite cheap now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, yeah. And Skate Magazine was a great one. Um, he did some stuff. I, was, that, uh, I hate to keep harping back to issue four, but issue four has. Um, I don't know why he did it. I think because he likes to be a little bit contrary, doesn't he, Eddie? He did a sort of sideways, so you have to turn the magazine on its side, sort oh. of landscape. Um, and there's a story uh, again about him being down the pub and sleeping with a couple of different women, and it's. Um, as we'll talk about in a minute, it just reminded me of those days when I used to spend all my nights in the pub, you know, yeah. and we, we knew the landlord and we knew the barman and, you know, there'd always be that, somewhere that to sit. That was what was amazing this work. It was all about the truth of so many people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And there were scenes in them that you will, you'll, you'll have done or someone else you know will have done. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great scene in it where he knocks someone out and then he puts them to bed. And all this sort of yeah, yeah it's all this sort of thing. But the um, people forget that you couldn't text someone to see where they are. You just found them in the pub. Yeah, yeah. At best, you might have a vague arrangement. That I'll see you down the pub on Friday. Yeah. You'd wander in there, and you'd have to take either take some entertainment with you or find your entertainment when you got there, because chances are, if you were like me, you'd be there at opening time, and no one else you knew was there. Yeah. <laughs> so you could get in all of trouble and this was during the period where the pubs were closed for a couple of hours in the afternoon do you remember those days oh, it was horrible <laughs> yeah mad wasn't it Two yeah. they'd shut and they wouldn't open again until half five or six o'clock <laughs> so be outside waiting <laughs> i'm not going to say i was never that bad because i think i probably was but yeah um so 85 we began to get these collections like you said there was three of them uh one of the one of the other ones was love and beer glasses i'm guessing you've got that one yeah uh, i've got yeah, Doggy in the Window was one of them, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, in 86, he moved to Australia, and he published... Um, that, I think he, he continued doing some stuff with Harrier over there. Um, 
by the time I get to Wagga Wagga. Um, yeah. Ace. Him and Woodrow, Woodrow Phoenix. Right. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, then we got Ace as well. Um, yeah. I think I own that somewhere. And Bacchus and Deadface. Yep. And while he was... He was... Go on, mate. Sorry. Sorry. No, go on. He was... At that point, he was also contributing to the Australian fanzine, uh, not fanzines, small press scenes and things. And there was one called DV. Oh, okay. It's like a, an anthology, a bit like, um, like the Dark Horse Presents or something like that. I get you. Yeah. And it would have Alec strip in it normally and two or three other strips by people like uh, Dylan Horrocks and stuff. Oh, cool. Like Dylan's work. Yeah. New Zealand. So I guess he was close enough to be part of the same the same scene. It's all the same place, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a baseball country, I believe. Yeah, there's nothing, is it? Seen it on the map, it's tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and too far away. Yeah, so while he was there, actually, he, he did get employment as a court, one of those court cartoonists who draws people in court. Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder where those pictures are. They'd be quite cool to have, wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh, he'd, he'd be better than when I was doing it. Oh, did you do it? Bloody hell. Yeah. One of my first jobs was a uh, staff artist on a, news, a daily paper. <laughs> That's uh, brilliant. I had to draw in court occasionally. They gave me a phone once, in the early days of mobile phones, and they, the editor rung me up to say, make sure the judge doesn't see you drawing, because he's a stickler, this judge, and he'll kick you out. He's like, yeah, he's looking at me now, because you just rung me. <laughs> now, is he right that you, you weren't actually allowed to draw people in there? You had to sort of remember them and draw them outside, is that right? Yeah, you can go into the public gallery, but you're not allowed to take any means of recording right. with you. Okay. But you're supposed to look, go outside, sit in the hallway and draw it. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> I was just, just a Muppet sketchbook. That's great, yeah. So during the time he was in Australia, he was quite. there was a lot of work came out, wasn't there? And um, I'm not going to list it all, so don't you won't be bored, but I'm going to mention a couple of the companies. So like you say, he worked for Dark Horse. Um, the Dance of Lifey Death came out from them. We had Graffiti Kitchen that came out from Tundra. Oh, Tundra was a good company, wasn't it? Um, yeah. We had uh, The Dead Muse and Little Italy. They came out through Fantagraphics. Um, in 91, he won the UCAC Award for some of his Alex stuff. Um, Lovely Horrible Stuff came out. That's another book of his. Um, Bacchus is, um, like we are saying, really good, worth finding. Uh, had some short stories in Trident um, yeah. and also in Dark Horse. Uh, and then, of course, we got From Hell, which is the big, I suppose, the big one that paid his mortgage, um, that started off in Steve Bissett's Taboo anthology. Yeah. Before moving to Tundra and then moving to Kitchen Sink, I'm guessing, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think Tundra put one issue out. Right. I'm sh- okay. I'm not, I'm not sure they've actually put any out, to be honest. Right. Oh, okay. I got a bit exhausted of trying to find them. I think I found a couple. Um, and then, it was possible. Yeah. Even when they were coming out new, it was like you wouldn't be able to find them. Yeah, yeah. I think I was going I mean, to. I think I got a couple. Was it Avalon Comics in Lavender Hill? I think I got a couple from there. Whether yeah. they were new or not, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but the the collections are nice. It's like a it's like a fucking phone book, as a lot of um, a lot of Eddie's work is. You know, you could you could break someone's jaw with it. But it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a good read, and it's very annotated as the back is as is the want of Mister Moore. It's very sort of annotated yeah. at the back, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he bought out, Eddie bought out uh, an equally thick From Hell Companion book later on. That's with all right. The, the scripts and notes and letters and stuff from Alan Moore to him, and it's like this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than the book. <laughs> that was like, uh, was uh, that, uh, did that have like a white a white cover? Kind of yeah, 
really uh, either a buff cover with a woman standing on it, I think. That rings a bell, yeah. I must get that at some point. Yeah. I mean, It's pretty good stuff. I mean, in a way, he's comparable to Sim, isn't he? There's a, there's a quality of the ind- independent creator and the individual voice that's comparable to Sim in a way, do you think? Uh, I guess so. In terms of striking out and saying that I'm not, I'm doing this mostly. Okay. Uh, yeah, but he, he Dave Sim obviously just published Dave Sim after a while. <laughs> yeah. Now, he didn't have anyone else. Need to, he didn't need anyone else to publish him after his early days. Yeah. Uh, whereas true. Eddie would bounce around from publisher to publisher all over the place. I mean, Top Shelf as well was another one. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some of that. So yeah. we've got um, then we get Eddie Campbell comics, and they put out Birth Call and Snakes and Ladders, which I remember were the hot were hot shit at that time, weren't they? Because he did them with Alan Moore. Yeah, it was a, and then he did a couple of fanzines called Egomania. Oh, I've not got those. Oh, okay, they sound good. Alan Moore interviews with long interview with Alan Moore in the first one, and the right. second one is can't remember something else. Okay. They were really um, the big collection of Alec, which we talked about, is out of top shelf. So that's come out of there, as I think the backers book has as well. And first, second books put out um, the Black Diamond Detective Agency and the amazing, remarkable Monsieur Leotard, which I haven't have read neither, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I've got those. <laughs> not, not the same as having read them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, uh, next subject for um, you, Mr. Expert, is we're going to talk a little bit about um, art style, how you would describe his art style. Now, I believe, I'm just trying to find the page you described his art in your essay. I think you described it as scratchy. Is that right? Yeah, here we go. Eddie's drawing style is sketchy and at first glance clumsy, but the aim isn't for slick photographic images, which would be a series of plastic facades lacking in any sense of breath or temperance. The ephemeral things you can't see, but you can draw. There you go. That's a student's first paragraph, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, marvellous. Uh, yeah. Give me a give me a, a good mark on this essay, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do, do you do you stand by that or how do you feel about it now? Uh, it's almost right. Okay. And I think it's what people see when they first see his work a lot of the time. I'm not sure scratchy is quite the word anymore. Right. And having learned to draw better myself and seen more since then. Yeah. He's got this really idiomatic drawing style. And you can see the you can see where he's pressed down on the on a, a dip pen, and you can see where he's lifted it off the ground. It, it okay. It has a quality of reportage, of drawing on the spot almost. So it's obviously done quickly. Right. Yeah, I get that. I I, I think I even I feel that as a non-artist. Yeah. Instinctual but, no, and you know. Yeah, it is instinctual, but it's also it's it's quite deliberate. I think he drew and discarded a lot of things, but mm. he wouldn't. You know how uh, an a Neil Adams type person will do a little thumbnail sketch and then blow it up on a projector and draw it in pencil and then shade it a bit more in another pencil and then get some ink and go over the top of it and then rub out the pencil and then go over the ink again. And yeah. It's not so much polishing a turd, but it is polishing something over and over again. It is polishing something that we spend five seconds looking at. Yeah, it's weird, isn't and, it? Yeah, comics. And this, these, these drawings come out of a very different, um, a very different tradition, where people would draw and be done. It's more like an illustrator's tradition. Uh, if you think of people like Victor Ambrose or Charles Keeping, okay. or all the books that you read as a kid, which had like a little chapter illustration before the story starts. Each yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they just looked like they were dashed off. Right. 
And quite often they're drawn very quickly, but they may be, this person may have spent an entire morning drawing t- that same picture 10 times before they felt had one that felt right. Yeah. Rather than working over the same thing over and over again, it's the, op- it's the other end of that same spectrum to get what you want. Yeah. Have to work at it, but you, the uh, the illusion is that it's it's quick and slapdash and just dashed off. And he changes from panel to panel sometimes, doesn't he? There'll be something sort of super realistic and you know almost looks like it's inspired by um, a photograph of them on the beach or something. And the next yeah. thing you get something quite abstract. So I'm looking at the um, the doggy in the window now, and um, there's a big fish gives me the evil eye, and suddenly it's just underwater and it's gone from a series of what are you know, inspired by Polaroid pictures almost, to this just sudden energy rather than, you know, classic shaping and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's, that, that's that's key to his approach. And I was almost apologising for it originally that, oh, it looks, it looks inconsistent, it looks dashed off or whatever. But I think it's important to say, well, in this moment, it's, this is, considered and this is a very um a very deliberate memory it's very concrete okay yeah so there, there's a in the dog in the window there are some silent pages towards the back where they've gone on holiday to france yeah and they they're obviously some of those are drawn from photographs you can tell that yes that's, you can we we pose and we took photographs and this is where we're drinking and they look they have that quality to so that's what they're meant to but be isn't it he's not just yeah, copying photographs so, for those that are listening he's He's reminding us of those snaps from a holiday that are taken. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the mood of the snap. Yeah, but you literally flip the page and there's a scene of um, uh, of a couple of Alec and his girlfriend on the beach running around, and it's suddenly much looser and more cartoony. Yeah, uh, yeah, almost expressionistic. They're, the lines mean something, but they're not they're not nailed down to be really specific about what they mean. Yeah. And I would take that a step further and go if you if you keep going to page 30 which is the memories of him as a child playing football or a kid playing football and that becomes even more looser oh, yeah. doesn't it you know yeah. so to that that middle middle row there is is quite loose quite um yeah. caricaturish almost you know well, it's almost like what you draw while you're listening on the telephone uh, <laughs> it's a doodle quality to it yeah. but that's the quality of memories you go further back and it becomes vaguer yeah uh, it's talking about a kid he knew was a kid at school, and it's the drawing of that kid's face is it's really vague. You wouldn't get to know what that kid's features were like. Yeah. Whereas on the other cat book, you'd know. But that's true of memory. Yeah. Yeah. If you try to remember kids you went to school with, you'll remember Spotty Muldoon or whatever he was, <laughs> uh, but you won't actually be able to pick him out in a line out. Yeah. Is. There's a depth to the memories that he's recounting. There is, there's a real, um, I don't know how to put it. There's an intelligent depth to it, I suppose, is what I'm trying to think. The other page I was going to bring you to your attention is page 19, um, which is very scattered images, memories, is, oh, yeah. visuals, dreams. Um, and the central one is like a child's drawing of a man with a knob hitting Eddie on the head. Yes. <laughs> and the next one, two two along from that. I'm not actually sure what that's meant to be. It's lady it's a lady bending over. Sorry? Looks like she's having a dump. It does a little bit, doesn't it? But is some formidable creature he describes her as she's sort of bent over. Um 
it could actually be childbirth. Oh, uh, yeah, could be. He was right. He was doing putting these comics together, I think, after the birth of his first child. And that right. That's classic uh, posture. I don't know, because it's all about coming of age. And yeah, I mean, the opening page of, the, of this, uh, this collection is uh, it, it's one of the reasons I thought it'd be good for you. The text in it says uh, <laughs> a funny notion occurred to me while I was drowning. I saw humanity all pasted together with semen. I know. I was running down the bus stops after early morning quickies. I'd like That's to say the only company in this country right. could get away with doing that is Tribute Press currently. <laughs> Everyone, even, you know, Avery Hill or Good Comics or someone would just get pu- pulled over the, the coals if they did that. Yeah. But it's... We've got a picture of um, somebody dressed up with a Batman hat on, having a tug on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's, one, that's another one, isn't it? Yeah, we've all been there. I mean, we've all been there, Simon. That's, yeah. that's your phone wallpaper, isn't it? <laughs> it is now. It is now. The um, Yeah, and it it gives that... Um, I know we're getting in now to talk a bit about the book Beyond His Art, but I think they're both, they're both coming together. It, it, it jumps about. It really does jump about the story, but it jumps about in the same way that memories jump about, I suppose, you know, and things occur to you. But not in a sort of twee way. I'm not bored with all this webcomic. Oh, I was thinking about walking around the block today. You know, it's not like that. It's There's a resonance to... There's almost... I, I, reading this now, it gives me a real nostalgia to those days. Before everyone, yeah. sto- before everyone started staring at their phones and interacted. and Just seeing other people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is true. Yeah. By the last year we've had, obviously. Yeah. And... Being older, I, I, I assume that people who are 18 to 25, 30 still di- live this life. I'd like to think you know, so, yeah. Things. I hope they are. Now, his drawing style is it's inseparable from his writing, I think. When he draws other people's comics or when he writes for someone like DC when he wrote Hellblazer. Yeah, we're going to get onto that one, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Their job, and he's doing them, and they're great. And Apart from from Hell, I think his drawings are good in other comics, but not 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 him. Whereas in yeah, this stuff, I agree. it's just Eddie Campbell's words and Eddie Campbell's memories and Eddie Campbell's drawings all fit together. Yeah, and it, I, go back to his art style. If uh, if people haven't seen his work and are, are wondering what it like looks like, it's like Hugo Pratt. Okay. Um, drawings who did uh corto martise yeah uh, brilliant drawings with that sort of sense of ink thin lines and spots of black and spontaneity but it's almost like he was drawing for the beano <laughs> or maybe or maybe the, the, the dandy, one with the serious strip in the dandy well i was thinking of jackie or something like that there's a, oh, yeah. you know there's almost a bit of that i know what you mean though yeah yeah the serious strip the one they used to used to zip past yeah yeah <laughs> The one no one read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Is and the way um, his real genius for me is the way he coalesces memory and he coalesces story into something that forms a personality in him, but also a personality in everyone around him and the environment he's in, and yes. the dirty old pub and sitting there. And there's, there's just this lovely panel of this that that was the night we all wore hats. And I'm thinking that the sense of community there and the sense of friendship and uh, everything is really nice. I really like that. But it's done with a sense of realism. It's done that somebody, you know, kicks off so they knock him out and stick it and take him to bed. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an openness in that stuff. Yeah. The night we, that was the night we all wear hats. Well, 
most people have had some experience of something a bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so it lets you be part of that crowd, that King Canute crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about... I know we go long, Simon. Look at this. We're still going. We've got loads more to talk about yet. That's, that's not your fault. But the um, about autobiograph- autobiography, and let's call it pseudo-autobiography, which is this is a kind of... Um, he puts he really puts himself out there, doesn't he? It's a real um, he doesn't he doesn't hold back and in, embarrass. There's one point where he gets his his pants are all wet because he's been swimming, so he has to change them and stuff. Yeah. And there's no there's no embarrassment, but there's there's an honesty there. Do you? Th- how does that appeal to you? And do you think it's comparable to anything now? Uh, I think I mean it's it's brilliant because it's it's candid. Yeah. Without being uh, self obsessed, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sh- without showing off. Yeah, you know, Robert Crumb. We all, we give Crumb a lot of um, leeway for his filth. <laughs> because he's oh look, he's he's showing himself as being a dirty old man and being pathetic. Yeah, but it's all explicit with him. It's there's no poetry in a lot of his stuff. When he's drawing the sex stuff, Crumb is just not. Yeah, not I, anything other than look at me having sex. I know too much about the creator when it comes to Crumb. I think sometimes because I kind of visualize him drawing it sometimes you yeah. know only looking a bit sweaty in here yeah um but with, with 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 campbell stuff you can look at you can look at him drawing stuff that, that uh showing himself in a less than good light method maybe but it it feels like he's being sympathetic to himself without being self-pitying yeah yeah it's like we should all be kind to us our, our past selves and possibly even to our current selves and there's an honesty isn't there there on the show yeah. yeah, I think honesty is probably the one of the big words for him. Yeah, I mean, his his work, the words and the pictures go together, and it's a bit like someone like um, Ginsburg or Kerak in the Beat Generation. Or yeah, maybe someone like Garrison Keeler, if you know his late Wobegon stories. Oh yeah, I do. I used to listen to them on Radio Four. There you go. Yeah. 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 That sort of wistful quality of, it's almost like someone who came after the Beat Generation, or the Kitchen Sink movies. You know, uh, the Kenneth Anger, yeah, uh, those sorts of things, and couldn't understand why everyone was so angst-filled in it all. And so, <laughs> well, it's quite amusing actually. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, he's the the half the generation or half a generation after that lot. Yeah, it's interesting to see what is what was contemporary to his to his Alex stuff, his early Alex stuff. What else was going on in the world? So, we punk had been and gone at that point, just yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, I think we had the New Romantics by then. Christ, we did, didn't we? Yeah, and we had stuff like the young ones on television. I'm guessing that sort of uh, thing. Well, that they, a bit they later, were maybe. No, weren't they? Because Channel Four would have been really early '80s. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had um, that sort of post-punk DIY squat thing going on in London. You know, there was a lot of a lot of squatting. I know certain areas of London were like 60% squat off the Old Kent Road and stuff like that, and People were sort of striking out and playing in skiffle bands occasionally, and um, it was. I think opportunities were 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 opening up for people. Yeah. the The seventies was a time when, for, uh, from from my lot, we were nothing and we were worth nothing. We were from the moment you were born, you were on a particular treadmill in a particular direction, and that's the way your life would go. Yeah. And nothing changed. You wouldn't be any special. You would never get anywhere. You wouldn't have any opportunities, and then the eighties came around, and space started to open up for things. Yeah, um, 
we, hope came in in a lot of ways. I always think of it as the the uh, the arrival of cocaine. That's how I always think about it occasionally. <laughs> is we got the loads of money, didn't we? We got all that suddenly, didn't we? In the uh, mm. the early eighties, and we got the you know the influx of the yuppie and the banker, and but there was still that squat alternative rebel um, that you know it was always the squat you'd go to the party to, wouldn't you? When you were like seventeen or eighteen with your mates, and it was a bit dangerous. And I almost feel like that about the King Canute crowd. I think you'd walk in the pub and it would it would be their pub almost. You know, you might be all right, but there was there was a few characters in there. It was a bit lively occasionally. Um, yeah, and you wouldn't talk too much the first time you went in. Yeah. Well, you just sort of observe. What's that story about him falling? He said that was the night I famously fell backwards off the chair or something. There's that famous <laughs> one, isn't there? One of the guys in the pub there was just drinking away, stupid. Lent back on the bar stool and falls backwards. And it's like, yes, we've done yeah, that. We've all, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this some marvelous stuff like that, um, and some relationship. I think we we ignore the the man woman relationship stuff in a lot of his his books. Is he has a number of partners. You know, nothing unusual, nothing outrageous, and certainly nothing that he brags about. But there's he he describes the interplay. There's there's some great moments in the doggy book, aren't there? Um, oh, yeah. the only the third night spent together Penny talks of her lover of the last 18 months whom she hasn't had the heart to tell it's over and there's this lovely panel of him saying it echoes um, yeah there's kind of that's what that's kind of what it was when we were younger wasn't it I think that's what it is it, it, it captures almost a time assist because the, the people will change and the setting will change but we all go through these sorts of processes Yeah. or we're one of the characters in the scene there's a bit in this in this book where Danny Gray who is this best friend uh, yeah. obviously the cool handsome the, the the hero of the story except we don't see him that much because Alex the, the the protagonist in the story and he's sort of like the Dean Moriarty of um of on the road right so, okay uh, I get you yeah there's a there's a scene where he's talking to somebody else's girlfriend and she says oh how would it feel if you and I went out together yeah and he's Quite blunt, he's like, "Yeah, it wouldn't happen. That's not going to happen." Is I actually went back and reread that scene because I wasn't sure I had it right. But yeah, that does well, happen, doesn't it? He's putting her down because his mate, she's going out with his mate. He's not going to, he's not going to pull her. Yeah, but he's he's a Jack the Lad and he's a cocky bastard and he's obviously the one that, you know, the hero of the group of the of the crowd. Yeah, the group. And then he gets in his lorry and he drives off and he, he hits an owl. He stops his lorry, gets out, picks up the owl, takes it and buries it. He's, he shows his softness. Yeah. And then about 20 pages later, he's moved in with the girl he was, he was turning down. Yeah, that's so great. He's already with a boyfriend by then. Yeah. And that, that dynamic of that's how you move through those relationships when you're in your late teens and your early 20s, where partners get almost get passed around to a certain extent. Yeah. And Sometimes with a lot of resentment, and sometimes with no resentment. Yeah, strange, now, wasn't it, back we then? We go through that. We, we wouldn't do it now. You know, If you split up from someone and then your mate started taking them out, you'd be really upset. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but when you're a teenager, it, that's fine, because you're still just working out who you want to be with in the first place. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And it's also, um, I suppose, the, the, the modern version of that is... <laughs> you know, taking their pictures off your Facebook page or something. You know what I mean? It's like that. It's so sad that this is, you've got this like, almost like an extended family in these pubs, you know, and your friends and the girlfriends and who's about and who sort of, some people hang about for a while and then you don't see them again. They may maybe move on or they get a job or something. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
There's, I have to say, man, I do love the inside cover. Alec McGarry bears his teeth, among other things. And um, it's the him looking at the dog sitting in the driver's seat of a yeah. a, uh, a Mercedes van. It's just brilliant. I would love to have that original. Just that's very you anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, it's um, allegedly he has still got nearly all of these pages. Ah. I think the From Hell pages are sold, but these because I think someone came to him about doing an artist edition of From Hell, and he said, oh, "Well, they're all gone." And um, he sort of hinted that he had all the Alec pages and nothing, and he's still waiting to hear back from that one. But yeah. um, Alan, right then, we don't want him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now his his working from hell um, is different, isn't it? It's stylistically very different. There's, I heard him. Uh, well, I watched him give an interview once where he said he wished he'd never done that cross hatching. It drove him nuts. Yeah. And it's heavier, well, isn't it? Seemed it? a good idea on the first episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's sort of slightly but different, it's not isn't that it? Different. Well, uh, you say that, but I, I think it's just more laboured. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. more deliberate. If you look at the, the 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 way he makes the lines in this, you can see you can almost see that the pen touched the paper here and was dragged down to this elbow and then sideways across to the wrist. Yeah. You can see where he you can see the artist's hand in it, and I think that's one of the things that I've always responded to with this sort of work. Whereas if you look at a Jim Lee drawing or something. It's they've drawn bits of stuff. They've inked this line and they've inked this line and they've inked okay, this line. I get you. Have, you can't see the movement of what they're doing. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I like that, man. Think, yeah, that's a really good point. See all, from hell, you can see it all um, scratching and scratching. Yeah, it's and something that just literally just occurred to me. Yeah, I don't know if it's because this was put together from the three-panel strips here originally, and they just kept to that format. But he's working on a nine-panel grid. Yes, that's true. And this is yeah. way back before uh, Watchmen and all that stuff started to go, hey, nine-panel grids, they're really important, and that's the way you get it all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm sick of them they, now. They, yeah. Actually, well, yeah. But Alan Moore was coming from the same era. Yeah. Uh, Dave Gibbons and, and all these people. And I think there was something in the air, and I'm wondering if they stumbled across it by putting newspaper-type strips together into an A4 page. Oh, interesting, going, yeah. Yeah. Oh look, look! I've had a revelation. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does like that. And I wonder whether it's something to do with him carrying little squares of Bristol board in his pocket, you know, that would Certainly lay helps. down like playing cards into a page. You know, it's a bit that, isn't there? Um, I, I know friends who do graphic novels who work on by by the panel, so they they carry post-it notes around. Right. Okay. Draw on, they draw a panel at a time on a post-it note. Yeah. And then they can move the post-it notes around, decide the order they're in. And then they'll draw them up properly. I think that's how Dan works on his pages for his webcomic, actually. I think he does a panel at a time and then he puts them all together. I think, yes, can be, especially with digital now, and we'll talk about digital in a second. I think just quickly touching on From Hell, I actually find the art in that more similar to the Bacchus work than the Alec work somehow. I don't know whether I'm yeah. right. Maybe it's just the the panel structures and the, 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 the details in the faces, maybe, I think. I think it's more considered stories, for one thing. Okay. Yeah. So he's got the, he, you know that check off scum thing where you got to put the thing in this panel so because it was going to show up later yes. on. Yeah. There's an element of that, and he's older. You know? Okay. I absolutely, man. I absolutely love Bacchus. I've gone fucking nuts for Bacchus this week. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm reading the one where he went to Sicily at the moment, and I just love it. It's just genius. Oh, uh, I think it's my my favourite comic ever. Really? Okay. Yeah. I haven't got all of the issues. I think I've got about 20 to 30 of the issues, but I'm seriously considering getting those, um, the slipcase, the two big volumes. 
Yeah. The big bar. Yeah, why, why not? You know, I've got it digitally. I've got it in issues. Why not buy it for a third time? That's how I live. That's <laughs> my life now. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I've seen so much. I've actually, one of the stories of back in Bacchus, I cut up. Oh, right. And copied together. It was the one about the how the Minotaur. Oh, yes. Was born. Yeah. Really well drawn, really interesting uh, bit of prose. And I, I, I found I had a piece of plywood that was the right size if I cut up all the pages and put them side by side. So I've got I had to buy two extra copies to cut up this copy comic. <laughs> Good. And and paste them all together on this large piece of MDF somewhere. It's mad, isn't it? Even in the height of the big comic boom, it was only selling eight thousand copies. I heard him say the other day. That's Incredible. Nothing. And even Kate, I mean, I think it's suffering from the kayfabe effect because I know the kayfabe um, YouTube channel did a. Eddie Campbell thing and talked about Bacchus in that so I think it might be a good time to get in and get some Eddie Campbell stuff because uh, it will be going soon I think um, Do they have that to reach? Yeah they do, they call it the kayfabe effect yeah, yeah. so I remember they did something on the 2001 Treasury Edition Kirby one yeah. and that shot up in that doubled in price pretty much overnight Bloody hell you couldn't buy it beforehand Yeah and I think it's uh, I think um, Strange Apparitions have got it for 100 quid or something I think, so it's a good copy but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. I think before we before we head off and do an advert and talk a little bit about your work, um, we should mention also that he has also drawn Batman, the X Men, and Captain America. <laughs> we should. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote Hellblazer. Yep. Um, what else has he done? He drew a That's Batman about, yeah. story, and he did a couple of. I think they were the Marvel Knights Captain America. He did the last two issues of that run, I think. Oh right. Yeah. You showed me some Wolverine pictures he'd done. Fucking hell! It looks like I'd Wolverine down the pub. Looks like that bloke who stands at the bar will he'll, he'll punch you if you you look at him the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been at the uh, the London Comic Marts. That guy. <laughs> he has. He's the bloke who wears that dirty vest. I know him. <laughs> you know the one. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got a little list here. So he did Catalyst Agents of Change at Dark Horse, which is when they did that little run of superhero comics. Um, oh yeah, I never read any of them. I think I only read the one about the sort of. Um, the big sort of robot character but they look pretty good they looked okay it was about the same time as Malibu and all that sort of thing were bringing out their own lines wasn't it yeah he was the Hellblazer writer between issues 85 and 88 and he had a short in issue 250 as the artist with uh, Pete Milligan writing um, he did Batman the Order of the Beasts in 2004 Captain America Homeland in 2004 he was the artist on X-Men 400 um, he drew I think it's only two or three pages um he did a book called The Goat Getters, which I haven't read. Have you read that one? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and he also did that's a book a, with Neil Gaiman, newspaper. which I certainly haven't read, which is called The Truth is a Cave or something. Mm, not seen that one. Um, I, I I don't read much Neil Gaiman. I don't, mate. I don't really need someone to tell me that, you know, um, you know, a story is like two squirrels fighting over a Twix. You know, no, I don't need that <laughs> in my life, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, good. Good stuff, man. So, um, for a newbie to Mr. Campbell's work, where would you point them, Geezer? I'd look at... Uh, well, you can't go straight to the Alec collections and the Bacchus collections. They're too expensive. Right. So, if you're not going to read From Hell because you already like Alan Moore... Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe try and pick up these Alec, the the Doggy in the Window book. I think that's. I really yeah. like this format, mate. I like the size. I think sometimes his his panels suffer from being a little too small for my old eyes, in some of the recreations. But this is perfect to me. Yeah, I I think it's a really good idea. 
but maybe just go and pick up some old escape or uh, knockabouts or stuff like that. Yeah. Because you can be in them and you can get a taste for it. And if it's not to your taste, because it's not to everyone's taste. Yeah. It, it's a very, um, it's a very different tone to most comics. Yeah. Yeah. So at least that way you've got some gag strips and other things. I, I go, I start looking at this stuff in the anthologies. Yeah. Right. I've suddenly realised something. Um, you sent you sent me a present recently. Um, it was this book, wasn't it? You sent me this book. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the uh, it's the doggy in the window. Um, and obviously you know my dog is called Sharknado. And on the back of this, I just noticed that there's a doggy in the window of an envelope. So he's obviously scribbled in an envelope. And very kindly, I'd like to say thank you very much, mate, because I cut it out the envelope and it's now sitting downstairs. Uh, as you <laughs> you drew my dog on the envelope. Yeah. How thematically brilliant is this episode been? Just genius, yeah. Thanks so much for that, man. Brilliant. Good. Oh, right. We're going to do a quick advert. It's not about heroin or hookers this week, as, although oh. I did promise you that. It's um, although it is related to it. That was my rider. <laughs> you messaged me. Oi, heard the last podcast. The uh, yeah. Any case, so here's the advert. Hi, UK comic creators. I have some news for you. Your comic isn't perfect, and let's let's believe every comic isn't perfect. So here's some more news. Reviews are not promotion, and they're not free promotion. If you want a proper comics criticism, then come to neverinanything.com. Written and audio comics reviewing by actual adults. There's no heroin and no hookers available. I have to say that for legal well, reasons, just normal. in case anyone catches me. Yeah. Good. I guess this is a prolonged sting operation, although I've known you for about eight years. The... <laughs> <laughs> right. I could be undercover. You could be. It's just a long term. It's a long game on me. Yeah. That that for um, just breaking off from the, the Eddie Campbell talk, that idea of proper criticism and proper review, proper stuff yeah. uh, in terms of reviews, that's essential in comics at the moment. We haven't had that for a long time. I agree, man. Co- totally. And I think people are catching on to that now. I saw um, a comics. Dan put me into a comics uh, YouTube account today, um, and the, I think it's called Perch or something like that. I can't remember the name of it now. And the dude was saying, look. How do you? He said. He said that you know, episode six of X of Swords, or whatever it's called, people are saying is the best ever um, uh, Storm comic ever. And he wow. says this is like platitudinous nonsense because it's not. You know, anyone who's read a Barry Windsor Smith comic knows it can't be. <laughs> you know, um, and we're suddenly no one is no one. Everyone is afraid to give criticism. And through that, we've built these sort of egos of people who are now are afraid to take it. Um, and Dan messaged me this morning. We had a bit of a chat about it. And I think we've got to stop saying what you liked and stop and start saying what was good and what was bad. Uh, and reason reasons for it. Don't be cruel. But I think we need to start talking a bit about the quality of things. Uh, is that well, something you think? I, know, I don't think we've talked about <laughs> this, haven't we? I, I've talked about it with a few people. but I think we need to move away from reviews and into criticism and that's not the same thing right okay critique is not a review okay uh critique is pulling something apart seeing why where it worked where it didn't work and why and the review is this happened and i liked it or i didn't like it okay and most comics writing has been reviews for years i did a couple of uh newspaper format um zines a couple of years ago about the time we met the first time which were meant to be asking proper questions of not proper questions, uh, 
asking other questions of comic creators. Yeah. Rather than what happens or what, who's your influence and things like that. It's like, why does it happen? And why are you doing this? And how are you making it happen? Yeah. And I think that's, an, that's a valid area. Yeah. Also, how does your story structure work? How does it hold together? What are your themes? What are your metaphors? Those things are valid. But did Spider-Man go and lick Batman's ears? So that's not really a... It's not a review, is it? No, no. I'd actually go one step further, mate, and I think there's not that many reviews out there. I think there's there people send review copies out because they think it's a promotional technique. So they think... Oh, that's probably... Uh, yeah. they'll, we'll send it out to all these websites and... Uh, and they'll they'll you know they'll get some sales, and that's not how it works. If you I've I've got, I got sent two books this week, and he sent me two, and I said, look, before I re- review them, just to let you know, I'll you know I do it properly. I look at what's good and what works and what doesn't, and um, I try and make it balanced. But and he and he's he said to me, no, that's what I want. Well, we'll see, my friend. <laughs> because, uh, the uh, I've done I think I've only done six or seven reviews on the site so far. Um, I've had uh, um, a couple of bad responses and a couple of people saying, no, thank you very much. And I think I critiqued um, this book called CPS, Child Pos- Possession Services, I think it's called, which is a, it's a, in, in English, in England, it's a slightly stupid name. But the he, I said to them, I oh, look on the front cover, the the uh, your emblem for your little comic company um, is stuck right in the middle of the pentagram. And he messed me back and said, oh, never thought of that, mate. We've moved it. Thanks for that. I thought, yeah, well, that's fine. No problem about that. You know, that's, it's almost like a criticism you can't argue with, I think, sometimes, you know. I think we. I think yeah, we think everything's subjective, but it's not. You know. The trouble is when people say, "But I meant it like that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're. I mean, I. I have to talk to people who've done. Made comics because I, I, I work with David Lloyd on the Aces Weekly website, yeah. and I'm I'm a glorified production manager. Really, I, I do some proofreading some corrections and mostly i just put the, uh, the pages together on the screen for him cool nice and come out great and one or two people have been really pleased when i go look you know you've got the apostrophe needs to be the other side of the s on the it's yeah we need commas here and occasionally it's like this 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 sequence could doesn't actually t- say what you're trying to say and we've got time before next week to change it if you want yeah it's up to you Draw strip we don't we're not heavy-handed yeah one or two people have felt less happy to ha- to be told that their typing's wrong. <laughs> but it makes more sense if it's yeah if it's if it's punctuated properly. It reads well. Other people like, uh, like a guy called Gary Whitlock who does drills uh, marauders okay. for us, and uh, Paul Rainey. They, yeah. they they they're always really like thank you 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 helped something by putting the comma in. And it's like that's what you want from a review or uh, any kind of feedback. Yeah. Someone says, "Oh, that was useful," or actually, you're wrong, but I'll take it on board. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like there's it's, suddenly you you get ripped apart at art school. You come out, you start making comics, and you you think you're you know you're there perfect, and then you try and work for Marvel, and they rip you apart again. It's almost like this little <laughs> sea of tranquility in the middle where you think you're unbeatable, and uh, it, you know it doesn't work. I think I think. The problem is we've made this rod for our own back, and I've been responsible for it in the past in some way, is, is we've been so complimentary to these comics that sometimes don't quite deserve enough compliments, you know, those compliments that they're given to it. And then suddenly they're, you'll say to them, it doesn't really work there, do you know what I mean? And they're like, well, what? Well, they, they said it did work on this how website. Yeah, I know, how dare you? It's only Greta Thunberg suddenly. And, 
Yeah, and it's uh, I think I think we're we're causing problems for ourselves, and people aren't learning because they think oh, I'll just do this and it's perfect. You know, um, I saw a comic strip recently described as the, the, was it the greatest comic of our times, and really? and uh, I'll tell you afterwards which one it was. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, as soon as the review went up, my phone lit up for about ten people going, what? You know, um. And I've seen people like put themselves up for Eisner's and all stuff, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? And I think the problem is these some of the comics get so over-promoted and so, you know, um, the, the 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 adjectives are so amazing that people go and buy them and they go, oh, and it puts them off buying any more comics because they think they're all like that, you know. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want these to be your first comic, would you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good, right. Well, let's talk a bit about you, babes. So you're... Um, You've got a couple of things. You just put out the Draw the Line book, which is a kind of book, a protest book, is it? Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's well, it's not my book in particular. Oh, you're in it, I yeah. designed it and I did a couple of strips in it or cartoons. Yeah. My friend Miff Tristram or Mock Duck on uh, social media. Right. She, when Trump got elected, it was like the final blow. Brilliant day, wasn't it? Best day ever. People. Yeah. yeah. People were happy. <laughs> and she was really down. She said, "Look." I, I want to, I want the world to be better, but what can I do? I'm just a cartoonist. <laughs> oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll get a few friends together and we'll make some sort of like, how can you make the world better cartoons? Right. Okay, and cool. We'll yeah. Social media. And that'll be, that'll make us feel better. And it snowballed and it became this big, um, over a hundred people joined in and had different ways of showing protest or, uh, sharing your dissent and all sorts of things. Okay. And we made a website, and then we made a book of it. And it was uh, I put I designed it for them because it's kind of my day job. Yeah. And uh, we had Woodrow Phoenix help worked on the cover for us, and we got people like Dave McKean and uh, uh, Carrie Franzman inside it. Okay. And it's, it's yeah. brilliant. It sold out. Uh, we we tried to fund it through Unbound Publishing, but that's a story that. Yeah, there's a few stories. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and the other one I'm interested in is the one that you haven't mentioned yet. So um, you 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 put something out last week that you. Oh yeah, the uh, Tom Murphy's Colossus Press. Like Tom a lot. They like do, him a lot. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. He was part of the Broken Frontier. Yes, uh, I always used to meet him at Gosh. We used to have that raised eyebrow moment I often have with you, where we're like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does this. Uh, he's doing this thing called Colossus Cartographies, which is. Like a, a single sheet of paper folded up in a sort of a origami style way into A6. Yeah. And uh, I was I was buying them, and he said, I was filled with jealousy, going, oh, "I want to do this. This is brilliant." <laughs> and uh, when he sent me the last copy, he said, "Oh, do you want to do one?" I was like, Fantastic. Yes, of course I do. So because it's cartography, like, it came out last week. It's called Mapper Monday. It's uh, I've basically taken the Mapper Monday which is uh, the old map of the world yeah. from uh, medieval times, and my fascination with the moon, uh, a project I'm working on about Apollo 12. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Uh, um, which is my Apollo. Right. And uh, I sort of overlaid the two, and then I put all the fictional places I could remember that meant something to me into the map. So rather than a map of the known world, it's a map of the, the known fictional world. Ooh, so where do we get? What places do we get? Well, 
some, I can't tell you all of them because I'm going to actually put it out as a competition. Oh, okay. Say, give, can, give us a taste can, then. Can you give name them all? So I've got, Wim- I've got Wimbledon Common, obviously. <laughs> and Moss Isley. Right, okay. You know, we've got Camelot and we've got... Uh, got the tower of song from a leonard cohen song i remember i was tasked with, meant something i remember years ago i was tasked with doing something on wimbledon common long story and um <laughs> this uh, i remember come across this bloke and i'm wandering around doing this thing i had to do and uh, i come across this bloke and he'd actually he lived in a hole on wimbledon common Ooh. this bloke and he had a bookshelf and i was impressed that he built a bookshelf into the muddy wall in his little cave a stick of the dump yeah it really was and he had all these books that got sort of just abandoned at bus stops and stuff i mean yeah. he stank do you know what I mean? He's nutty. Yeah, but of course he did. It was just, and I remember <laughs> saying, in hole in the I remember going back to my boss and saying, I've just met this bloke who lives on Wimbledon Common. He's done me so ridiculous. And somebody else in the room said, Oh yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, that sounds good fun, mate. I must, I must get on their website and buy some of their stuff. I do, I do like all that sort of thing. Um, I think the series, it's a brilliant series of stuff, and separate from mine, I feel almost like a bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, but yeah, I really do. I, I'm, I'm pleased with this one. It's a really good thing. And I've got to write up at some point my uh, my slabbed comic. Ah, yes. Project at some point. It's, it's sitting here. I'm standing right next to it at the moment, looking at this giant concrete slab. <laughs> I remember you telling me about this. So, what, so uh, for those that don't know about, what is your slabbed comic? Well, we all know about slabbing these days because obviously encasing it in plastic, works. my friend, it's the way forward. Yeah. yeah. You can never read it again. Yeah. And uh, I had a Hulk one eight one. And I had it signed by Stan Lee and Herb Trimpey because uh, I'd met them both yep. at various times. And it's, uh, Stan Lee didn't write it, but, you know, it's worth having him sign it. Yep. He's in it somewhere. And I decided, all oh, this slabbing was such a silly idea. I, I, this was a, a famous comic. So I, I, I got a pavement slab and I took a cast of the pavement slab and I filled the cast with concrete and laid the comic in it. Inside its, its uh, CGC slab. <laughs> and then I encased the concrete slab inside a ceramic, inside a resin slab. So it's this massive stonking thing, which inside it has this comic. And then, of course, Herb Trimpey died. And then, of course, Stan Lee died. And suddenly the comic's worth thousands of pounds. <laughs> you hear it? Oh, there you go. Can't get to the fucking thing. <laughs> it's genius. Yeah. That, let that be a lesson to everyone who, who, who goes mad about slabbed comics. I have never understood it, man. Yeah. It's bonkers. The idea was to do it as a joke, but it's so heavy, I can't take it anywhere. <laughs> I was I intended to take it to the comic marts and places like that and just sort of put it on the table. Now that's a slab, boys. Yeah, can you give me a price on my slabbed comic? Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Genius, man. So that, that, that's, the, that's the kind of comics I make, just stuff that doesn't have a market of any sort. <laughs> but that's a good or thing about much. you experimenting with format and style and all this sort of thing. And I know you, I'm blanking, is it Nearly Made? No, what was the name of the... Yeah, Nearly Made. Love yeah. that, man. That's You gave that to me as a present first time I saw you. I absolutely love it. I was, okay, oh, so it sat next to my desk for so long and I used to look at it and think, yeah, that does look like a face in that ashtray and stuff like that, you know, in that puddle or whatever it was. Yeah, great stuff, man. Um, and but you still have that love for classic comics. You were telling me earlier you bought a Legion Superheroes comic today or something, yeah? Yeah, I bought. I went to Dave's Comics and I knocked on the door and they brought me my comics out. And, <laughs> collect and I've got a pull list. It gets smaller and smaller every year, but it's still there are two comics on it today. It's Legion Superheroes and Kaiju Max. Oh right, that's not, that's not a bad little selection to read over. Yeah, book. watch this space actually. Man runs under cannon. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's good I stuff. Like I like that. I like that series very much. Yeah, and he's done a lot, and he? he's done a lot of issues on that one. Yeah, 
He's not related to Johnny Cannon. There's your, there's your shout, John. <laughs> he, I keep asking him on the text. Oh. Good stuff, man. So where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm Simon at Boeing or Simon Boeing on anything. <laughs> well, Instagram or Twitter. I've got boeinggraphics.co.uk is my website. Cool. And uh, come along and read acesweekly.co.uk anyway. Yeah. It's the, the weekly serial put out by David Lloyd as a publisher. And I do the grunt work on it. And uh, we have some fantastic strips. Really, really yeah, good, good stuff, man. There. Yeah, he's putting it out there so he carries on, doesn't he, Dave? He was doing it for five issues, at five volumes originally. And we're doing in the middle of volume 49 now. Bloody hell. He kept going. He's put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't he's it? He's been the most honest and straightforward um, publisher I've ever worked with, ever. Yeah, good. Yeah, he does everything on the handshake. Oh, good stuff, man. He's he's a very particular man in his own right. Yeah. He's, he's, his version of comics of a certain type. But what he publishes is, is really wide range. And my hat's off to him all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very personable. And he's a great person yeah. to follow on Facebook because when it's your birthday, he always sends you a message. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, which is marvellous. I, I got I just got a thank you this morning at like seven thirty in the morning to say happy birthday, Tony, from David Lloyd, and it and it's not no, it's not like just like the same message. It always differs every year, and I'm like that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. he's a proper human being. Yeah, so is a real person. and loves a loves a glass of red wine, which don't we all, my friend? Oh, yeah, don't we all? Yeah. Good stuff, mate. That's absolutely brilliant. I was really looking forward to tonight, and that is really nice. I I, I think the the personal connection you had with Campbell is really is really improved. That mate, really good. Um, good and we'll hang up now and um, we might have a chat about you doing something else because that was spot on see you in a bit dude I'd love to cheers man